Old school Paul. New school Justin. Man, y'all still going to school though. <laughs> Sit down, listen up. Father, son, y'all think it's just another one. Fade the Vader, they be grading players, all it's done is. Made the piper pay me, and they've been grinding lately. Up late, hit the waivers, don't hate the player, hate me. It's just a game boy, never gifted one on Christmas. Instead, I asked for ships to hit everything off my wish list. Check the litmus, do y'all really not get this? Hit this triangular shaped button, I don't want you to miss this. But I guess that's really none of my business Me risky free, cruise with pollen, Justin, just listening Yards after contact and catch, that's a lot of distance The kind of info make me wanna blow opponents kisses But I gotta be clear, there was one key difference Relationship is deep in this vent of ellipses Like how Justin agreed to washing all the dishes I'm just grateful Paul turned the missing to the missus Father, son, pie, get down on the get down If you don't get it now, then get, get out Father, son, pie, sit down and get rich now if you're not feeling it now then get get out what's up everybody welcome to the father son fantasy football podcast my name is paul my name is justin and today i mentioned that month whole month of june we're coming out with some great redraft content and so of course had to bring on people may know him as late round qb jj zacharis an editor-in-chief at number fire and Fanduel. what's going on jj what's up jj What's up, fellas? It's, it's a pleasure to be on. I appreciate the invite. Yeah, thank you for coming on. So, you know, we're gonna get right into it. We're not gonna we're not gonna you know beat around the bush. We're gonna go right into it. Get right into I it. I love DJ Moore. All right, I, I really do. He's one of my guys. Miles Sanders, DJ Moore. It's in my Twitter bio. Those are my two guys. Giving him in every dynasty league, whatnot. But for redraft purposes, he's currently going as the wide receiver 16 at the 405 mid fourth round according to FF Calculator. So the question I have for you, Dad and JJ is do you see him becoming a top 12, a wide receiver one in fantasy this year in his year three? Dad, you started out. I think he, re- he could return top 15. What, top 12? That's probably you know, uh, pushing the ceiling, but... That, that, that's pushing the ceiling, but uh, with the new quarterback in town, right, Teddy Bridgewater's in there, uh, Robbie Anderson's in there. Uh, I think last year he finished, what, 16? Top he was, 16? He was 15th last year. I, I see him doing the same thing this year. I don't think I don't think he's going to be in the top twelve. Why? Don't don't give me the the symbol. I'm not going to give don't you give the, me the I'm symbol not there. The buzzer bell yet? I'll, I'll wait on that. I mean, he had a thousand yard season. He had 135 target shares last year, right? He's still going to be the number one in there, even though Robbie Anderson's coming in there. You got Bridgewater coming in. Um, he did, like I said, he did finish top 16 last year with uh, poor QB pay with. Uh, Cam Newton, Kyle Allen, and I think even Will Greer was in there for a little bit, right? Yeah. I say that right, Greer? Yeah. I mean, the defense is going to struggle again this year, so they're going to have to be behind. They're going to throw the ball a little more. So I think his his targets might decrease with Anderson there, but with increased efficiency, I think he can make a a better season for himself, a safe bet to return as a top 15. Top 15. JJ, you think he'd be top 12 this year? I'm a little bit more optimistic on, on yeah. DJ Moore. Uh, yeah. You know, if you, we got the correct answer sound effect. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that the one thing uh, with his season last year, you know, he posted almost 1,200 yards with arguably one of the worst, if not the worst, quarterback situations in football. I should say one of the worst because there were were definitely uh, worse ones. Pittsburgh. Uh, Pitt, Pittsburgh was Pittsburgh, really bad. <laughs> Pitt, Pittsburgh being the one that that pops to mind. Um, but the Panthers, you know, you mentioned their defense. I mean, they they lost a ton of guys on, on the defensive side. 
Their their secondary is horrendous. I mean, actually, their defense throughout all all levels is is horrendous. And they're playing in an NFC South with three monster offenses, where uh, you know they're going to have six games that's next season. Uh, where they're going to have to play catch up and continuously play catch up against Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Matt Ryan. Um, I think that Carolina is a sneaky team to have 600 plus pass attempts as a result of that. Um, and if they see that many pass attempts, DJ Moore, his target share might dip a little bit, or you know, you might not feel as bullish on his target share as we might otherwise have felt with Robbie Anderson entering the picture. Um, but you know, I, I think that all of that combined makes him a pretty good bet. He's actually in my projections like a like a fringe top 10 guy uh so i think that where where he's being drafted right now um he's being way undervalued and not only that i mean look at dj Moore, the player uh unbelievable prospect his his prospect profile i I come at it from an analytical perspective prospect profile was one of the best that my prospect model had seen which dates back to 2005 so he's an unbelievable prospect and all he's done so far and the NFL is 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 produce, uh, you know, just just given expectations. So I'm high on DJ Moore. I think he's a great value here at wide receiver 16. Oh yeah, and wide receiver 16. You like to say free money. I gotta get that clip in there. It's free money for <laughs> free sure. Money. You mentioned the NFC South, just negative game script to having the rookies all being defense. So they're like, you know, typically you're not gonna see a defense succeed having all rookies. Maybe it'll be fine, but you still got those quarterbacks in the NFC South who are gonna light it up. Last season. Sixth in contested catch rate because he had Kyle Allen throwing him the ball, which was 74th in catchable target rate, which is awful. Teddy Bridgewater, second among all QBs last year in accuracy rating. Uh, I think Bridgewater is an immediate upgrade for that team also. Easily. Easily I, immediate I mean, upgrade. for what they had. Perfect skill set match. You have all these yak receivers and last, you know, best yard touch catch receiver in the league. For me, it's either DJ Moore or possibly Juju Smith-Schuster. Hopefully he bounces back this year. But everyone talks about Curtis Samuel and, oh, by low on him. He was ninth or eighth in air yards last year. Well, DJ Moore was 12th among all wide receivers in air yards last year. People forget that this guy, he was getting the air yards, just didn't really have nothing to do with it. And per com, he ran the slant route, the dig route, and a curl route the most. All had above 60% catch rate and over a 97 QBR from Kyle Allen. When you see Kyle Allen have above 90 QBR, you know something's got to be good happening on the other end, especially with the receiver. So DJ Moore, top 12 wide receiver, easily I can see it. Now, this is a redraft show, but JJ, I got a dynasty trade question for you. All right, All right so let's hear it. Leonard Fournette and Cooper Cup for DJ Moore. Is that, that's a little bit of an overpay for you, or you, you like uh, you know you, DJ Moore? I think top three dynasty wide receiver. I'm, I'm very bullish on him. But you got to overpay to get these kind of guys. You think that's a fair price because Leonard Fournette's going in the trash can after this year? <laughs> it's tough. I mean, like I, 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 I would be. Um, I'd probably side with the two um, over over more, but I think that it's it's certainly close. Uh, just because you know, I think it depends on where your your roster's at. Uh, because I do think Fournette still has the opportunity to produce this year at least. So if you're in win now mode and you need just sort of that higher end RB two. Uh, and you need that production, uh, I can understand. Because, you know, I think that there's a, a definitely a chance that Cooper Cup puts up comparable numbers to DJ Moore in, in the short term here. But I do think that DJ Moore, I'm with you. Uh, he's, to me, un- um, he's undervalued from a dynasty perspective because people are continuously putting, uh, you know, guys like Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins, et cetera, ahead of him, which I understand. Uh, but if you look at the numbers last year, too, something that's really interesting uh, DJ Moore was essentially just as efficient as DeAndre Hopkins was. It's just that he didn't find the end zone as much. And a lot of that can be 
credited to the fact that the Panthers couldn't move the ball down the field very well because of their quarterback situation. So if you get some positive touchdown regression with DJ Moore, all of a sudden he's producing similarly to how DeAndre Hopkins did last year. And it's not so crazy to have this younger guy who, again, was an elite prospect to be a top three or four dynasty wide receiver so i'm with you there i would try to be gobbling up dj Moore as much as i could yeah gotta and also last season finishing 15th or 16th depending on how you want to look at it with some points he had 135 targets but he only played 15 games he missed one game at the end of the year and was taken out early in one averaging nine targets a game you give him that 16th game he would have finished as a top 12 wide receiver probably granted he catches six or seven of those nine targets from mr kyle allen i mentioned cooper cup I don't know how I feel about him, but for redraft purposes, Cooper Cup is currently going at the 3.03, early third round in drafts. And obviously, we here at Father's Son Fantasy Football, we love Bobby Forrest. Bobby Forrest is definitely the better value in this wire receiver corpse, and I think he'll outscore Cooper Cup this year. But last season, you saw Cooper Cup's production kind of just die in the second half of the season. Some people credit it to their shift to 12 personnel and Tyler Higgins. He still Higgies. had a career year, though. He did. He was, he was going off. I remember the game in Cincinnati. He had like 230 yards. I was going against him in fantasy that week. You look at it, the other team, he has 60 points. I'm like, okay, that's fun. I, I just lost this week. I'm going to go cry about this on Monday morning. But 12 personnel was a shift. Tyler Higby got more involved. So I'm asking JJ, you think that with Brandon Cooks leaving, does it help alleviate some of the concerns of Tyler Higby and then moving towards more 12 personnel? Or, like, you know, how do you gauge Cooper Cup's value this year, considering he's going as the wide receiver nine in drafts? Yeah, this has been a big debate uh, on fantasy Twitter, especially of late. Um, you know, if you, you look at what the Rams did last year, there's almost a very even split before and after their bye. And it was a clean split, too, because they had eight games before their bye and eight games after their bye. After their bye, there was a tremendous shift in 12 personnel increase in usage. So we knew, we know that Sean McVay, when he was introduced to the league as head coach, he was running a lot of 11 personnel. It was like his thing, and it was opening lanes up a lot for that running back, uh, that that running back corp and and Todd Gurley in in, in particular. Um, and what what happened was, if you look at them getting destroyed in the Super Bowl by New England, uh, New England exploited that. And then the front half of the season, we start to see the the running game not be able to do a whole lot. And from a coaching perspective, they're saying, "Oh, we need to get that. We need to get those bigger bodies in line, and we need the the twelve personnel." And what that does is it it hurts a slot receiver naturally. Uh, whenever you're throwing two tight ends on the field and two wide receivers, you need those guys to play on the outside more, and that's not Cooper Cup's game. And so what we saw when they shifted to more twelve personnel, Cooper Cup's snap share dropped by about ten percent. We saw down the stretch last year. Uh, Robert Woods averaged 19 points per game in PPR formats. Cooper Cup was averaging 12. Now, some of that might have to do with just variance. Some of that might have to do with the fact that Cup was coming off that knee injury and maybe things got worse down the stretch. But I think it's really hard to not look at that shift and say that this impacted Cooper Cup in some way, shape, or form. So to me, uh, the question about Cooks in particular is really interesting to me because Cooks doesn't play the same type of game that Cooper Cup plays. Cooper Cup plays two-thirds of his snaps from the slot. Brandon Cooks last year played a third of his snaps from the slot. They're, they're two totally different types of wide receivers, so I don't know if we can just assume that Cup will get a significant bump in target share. I think instead we're going to be able to see Cooper Cup maintain his season-long target share from last year a little bit easier as opposed to getting this dramatic bump. And I'm with you guys. Uh, Bobby Forrest, as you were, as you were calling him, uh, Bobby Trees, whatever you want to call him, uh, I think that he straight up is going to outscore Cooper Cup this year. Um, and he's being had, I mean, 10-plus picks after Cooper Cup. So I'm, I'm all about Robert Woods over Cup. I think Cup's a little bit overvalued, and, and Woods is way undervalued. 
That's the answer, baby. We got the air horn action here. You have late round podcast. You know, go check it out if you guys aren't listening, which you should be listening to. Nice little 20, 30 minute podcast, Max, and just a lot of information. <laughs> but air horn has sound effect. You always got to have it. Always got to have it on. Dad, Cooper Cup, what, what do you think about no, him? I, this year? I agree with everything you guys are saying. I mean, when they bring that, that two tight end sitting there, it might have hurt him a little bit. But last year he had 1,161 yards. I, can, I see him doing the same thing this year. Because you're not going to double-team Woods. You're not going to double-team Cup in that offense. Uh, and then when they throw that two tight ends in there. So, I, I mean, I see him doing the same thing he did last year. Yeah, he's, he's uh, you know, Jared Goss. He's still going to see plenty of opp- opportunities. Yeah. But Brandon Cooks is gone. Is that a good thing for Cooks or not? I mean, I think he's one concussion away from, uh, I hate to say it, ending his career. But, I mean, he really didn't do much last year. But he still had... <clears throat> Excuse me, four years? Six years. Five years? Six, so he, five or six four years? years, I think he had over 1,000 yards. So him moving to Houston, I think, is a good thing for him, and it might be a good thing for Cook. You have some Brandon Cook's uh, truther status on you. I'm not the biggest Brandon Cook's guy, but you know, moving to Houston, being the Sean Watson's potential number one is definitely beneficial, better than Jared Goff. But Cooper Cup being Jared Goff's red zone man, third in red zone receptions last year, 14th in hog rate, which measures targets per snap. So he does get the volume, but, yeah. I mean, no slot play. I'm probably avoiding him, especially at that price tag. Give me give me Bobby Forrest a couple of rounds later. So we mentioned, you know, Cooper Cup, Bobby Forrest. You have three-round gap. It's way easier to decide between these two. Like, you know what, you know, Cooper Cup, I'll pass on you. Like, give me someone like a running back, like maybe even Jonathan Taylor if you feel spicy early third round. But later, when you get into the fifth round, you got – Tough decision here. You got Tower Lockett and DK Metcalf. I mean, this this is a tough decision. Which wide receiver do you prefer in redraft leagues, Dad? And who are you taking? They're both going wide receiver 22 and 23 back to back, which is makes it even harder. So Lockett or Metcalf? Who do you got? It's Metcalf for me. Okay. Why is it Metcalf? I mean, <clears throat> Lockett last year caught 25 more passes than he did in 2018 with Baldwin retiring. Of course, somebody had a Somebody had to get them targets. So he's, he surpassed 1,000 yards for the first time in his career. I mean, DK, DK Metcalf should now have more defense attention, which might uh, free lock it up a little bit. But Metcalf was eighth receiver off the board in 2019, but his numbers he put up as a, as a rookie made him look like the steal of the draft. Also, he's second on the team in targets, of course. So, I mean, if Metcalf could just decrease his drop percentage. You seen him with the shirt off, dude? Oh, dude, he, he is cut, man. I, <laughs> I imagine if I could look like that. You, you can. At 53 years old, if I could look like that. Oh, my goodness. I mean, his body is unbelievable. You'd be no. walking around that golf course. I don't have a fetish everyone. for men, but this guy's body is, is insane. I mean, look at him. Look at him. You think defenders I mean, look at him and just have oh, fear? Oh, they have to be scared. I mean, this guy has the speed. He has the jump ball, and catchability. He's got the, the pacifier mouth guard. That's an underrated factor. I think, you know, look good play because he's got the pacifier on the sidelines. People hit it, I mean, I, we gave, he gave us a little taste last year. I think he's going to be better this year. If he could just secure that ball a little more, I think his value is, is – I'm DK Metcalf all the way. Yeah, so they're going in like the fifth round, fifth, sixth round, and at that point in the draft, I do lean upside. Yeah. But Tyler Lockett was my guy last year. Well, Lockett is is a fantastic receiver. He's the most reliable guy out there. I mean, he had games last year where he – three games in a row he did fantastic, and then he did nothing for three games. You're like, what what do I do? Do I sit him? Do I sit a stud like Lockett, right? What do you do with him? Lockett last year, last last two years, on throws 20-plus yards down the field, has a 59% catch rate. That's best among all wide receivers. 27 catches, 899 yards, 11 touchdowns. So 
he's the most consistent guy out there. He's Russell Wilson's right-hand man. I think you can argue that they easily have the best chemistry among any QB wide receiver duo. Maybe Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, but I think Tyler Lockett sure. and Russell Wilson have the best chemistry. Last season, he was my guy. Tyler Lockett was my, my breakout wide receiver. But that injury against the 49ers in Week 10, they thought it was compartment syndrome, so lots of swelling of blood in the leg, and like I don't even want to know how that looked. Had to go in the hospital. It hurt him. He didn't do anything until Week 15. So you have him on your bench from Week 10 to Week 14. Odds are you're not playing this guy Week 15. Right. You, you see where he's just screwed you over the past couple of weeks. If you did start him, you got all excited. After Week 15, you start him Week 16. And what does he do? He ranked 94th among all wide receivers in Week 16. So this guy... People are going to have some take lock on yeah. Tyler Lockett. I, I'm going to go with DK Metcalf as well. You mentioned the upside, and he shined down the playoff stretch last year. I could see Russell Wilson looking at him in the red zone a lot more, especially going into year two. Producing as a rookie is a big factor in, into attributing success I mean, for a guy. career. Look how, look how cut he is. I hate to keep <laughs> saying it, but there's not a guy in the NFL that looks like him. There's, there's it's not. sick. So, JJ, who, who do you go between these two guys? You got, you got the older guy in Lockett, and you got upside and athletic freak in DK Metcalf. Yeah, I think it's an interesting dilemma for sure. Uh, you know, if you're if you're I think team composition and how you're building things uh, could direct you in one one way or another with this, too, because we're, we're going to feel more confident in a projection for Tyler Lockett. Right. Um, and, and that's why if you look at projections, whether I'm building them or whoever's building what if I'm looking at mine, Tyler Lockett looks a little bit better than DK Metcalf does. But I do think that you know if you if DK Metcalf is being drafted as your wide receiver three at this point uh, in the draft, let's say, and if you're looking for upside, which I would argue you should be uh, once you get to the fifth round of your draft, your opportunity cost isn't nearly as high there. Um, you know, I, I think it makes sense to go with Metcalf. It's not like their volume was all that different considering or last season, especially considering Metcalf was a, a first year guy, um, and, and Metcalf was seeing a lot of end zone targets as well, which is which is really. Uh, helpful and, and more predictive than what you'll see from like a red zone target rate or anything like that. So um, I, I think that I would probably lean Metcalf as well, um, just because I'm looking for upside in that area of the draft. But if I'm going with more of a, a running back heavy approach, if I kick things off with three or maybe even four running backs to start my draft, I can understand the argument to, to, to favor Lockett more because I do think he has more predictable production this season. Yeah, that's a good point. Definitely. That's a good point. Running if back go, heavy. If you go running back heavy, your running back heavy is looking like the way to go, especially early in drafts. You're in the later turn of it. You can get Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon. Oof, I just get my mouth watering right there. I, lo- I you love and Miles Sanders. Me and you're, Miles Sanders. Your love for Miles Sanders is uh, out of control right now. Well, I mean, everyone's is on Twitter. It's starting to catch up the hype. JJ, you like Miles Sanders? You can't hate Miles Sanders, I don't think. But Miles Sanders. No, I got, I got some, I got some Miles Sanders for you later in the show. Oh, ooh, <clears> oh, yeah, I love it, love it, love it. Now. Fantasy questions are always good, but we want we need some we need some lifestyle questions too. So I'm gonna ask favorite snack food. Dad, you go first. We have your favorite snack food. If you're, if you're looking for something just to munch on, say you're watching some golf, like you like to watch golf. I don't the know who likes to watch golf, but you like to watch golf. Tostito lime chips with salsa. Whoa, that's a classic. or a jalapeno chip. They have the jalapeno too. You can never go wrong with no, Tito's lime chips. The chip. salsa has to be the good though. The, the salsa hint of lime has to, has to have a little spice to it. It can't be that. Mild crap. Oh, yeah, if you're, it has you're, to smiling, be you're eating like watery tomatoes. I'm not a fan of watery tomatoes. You got to have the nice little hint of lime. JJ, what about you? Favorite snack food? I like that take. I like that take. I be, I'm, I've become a big granola guy, like Ooh. a granola and yogurt kind of guy. You okay. know, with some with some some Greek yogurt and some uh, some honey in there. Ooh. And then if I want to go like more true snack food, I might I might indulge in some like Cheez Its or something. Oh, nice. There, that, that's, that, that's right there. That's him. That's the correct answer. This White cheddar cheese. Box of cheese. It's a night here. <laughs> White cheddar yeah. cheese. It's 
the superior kind of cheese that that's the ultimate snack food you got to get the white cheddar cheese it's you just have to you, if you're getting the regular ones together good but the white cheddar cheese it's is definitely the way to go my preferred snack among all snack foods and there's some preferred tight end strategies among drafts some people will say get one of the big three guys get, get yourself a nice little kelsey kittle Ertz andrews this year or some people say you know what punt the position you, you'd be like you know marquise brown you send that thing to the moon not marquise brown marquise uh market king yeah he's not in the league anymore from the Raiders, but you know, Johnu Smith's enticing later in rounds. Blake Jarwin was enticing until they dropped the CD land. Now people are gonna be lower on him. Johnu Smith, I like a lot. But what's the tight end strategy this year, JJ? Would you like to get one of the big three guys? If it's not in tight end premium, we're assuming it's just one point per catch or even half point PPR. What, what's your strategy? Yeah, so um, you know, I'd, I've done a lot of work on on stream researching streaming and how viable streaming is at at every position. So uh, that that you can stream. So quarterback, defense, and tight end. Um, tight end, and I have a podcast called Living the Stream, which we we give picks every week, and we have for the last six years. And we've uh, we've tallied the picks and we've kept track of them. So at the end of every season, we can say, here's what our Frankenstein quarterback has done. Here's what our Frankenstein tight end has done, et cetera, et cetera. And the problem though with that is. When we give our recommendations, we can't if we hit on a guy, we can't hold on to that guy for the rest of the season because we have to continue to give recommendations based on players who are on the waiver wire. Right. Um, quarterback, we we crush every year. We're at like QB six in points per game. It's it's a very viable strategy. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that the quarterback position is so predictable week in and week out. Um, and it really has to do with the fact that they're touching the ball on every play. Uh, you have a large sample size on these guys. So there's 30 plus dropbacks for every quarterback. You know, when we go into a given week, just just psychologically, we feel better about how uh, a quarterback's production is going to pan out and work out as opposed to the other positions in fantasy football. Tight end is on the very opposite side of the spectrum where it's super unpredictable. And you can think of it logically, too. I mean, running backs are going to touch the good running backs will touch the ball 15 to 20 times a game. Uh, and then wide receivers have to get open and get targeted to, to, in order to, to see some predictable volume and then tight ends have to run routes. You know, we have to make sure they're even like out there running routes. Uh, and that just lowers the, the overall sample for these guys and makes them more volatile. Um, and so from that perspective, going early tight end makes sense. But the bigger point, I think, with going early tight end or avoiding going early tight end is opportunity cost. Um, I've done some research, especially over the last couple of weeks, actually, and, and noted that the first two and a half rounds of your fantasy drafts have by far the biggest opportunity cost. Meaning if you're getting a, a tight end or a quarterback early, you're foregoing the opportunity of having a wide receiver or running back. And in the first two and a half rounds of drafts, your hit rate at running back and wide receiver is so dramatically better than any other part of your draft uh, that it's very, very important to, to get guys. Because those are the league winners every year at those positions because they're higher in demand and they're more important. And so if you think about this logically, I know that I'm rambling a little bit here, but, you know, with fantasy football, everything's about supply and demand. You're starting one tight end, you're starting one quarterback, you're starting two or three running backs and wide receivers. And what that does is it drives down the cost to acquire quarterbacks and tight ends. This is where the late round quarterback strategy came from when I wrote the ebook back in 2012, is that you're getting these quarterbacks in round eight, nine, 10, nowadays, 13 and 14 that are very, very viable uh, pieces and the main reason for that is supply and demand. They're not in high demand, and therefore their cost drops. And the same happens at the tight end position, where every single year we see tight ends going in the double-digit rounds who are the 11th, 12th, 13th best tight ends. 
and they do very, very well. There's always breakout tight ends. It happens every year, and you're getting them at a huge, huge discount. You know, last year being a Darren Waller or Mark Andrews, and we've seen the Travis Kelsey before he broke out, the Tyler Eiferts. Uh, and really, we see historically those tight end, uh, you know, a 10 to 12 outscore tight end six to eight every single year. Um, so you can go with an early round tight end approach and you're going to outscore other teams in your league at the tight end position. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you can match that necessarily by going with a late round tight end approach. But at what cost? And that cost is if you're getting one in the second round, you're foregoing that opportunity of getting a true league winner at wide receiver and running back. And that's why I typically go with a late round tight end approach. Gotcha. Now, that's can you give good, us your favorite strategy, late round right? tight end this year? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple. I really like Mike Kosicki. Yeah, um, I, I think that, you know, I, I generally what I've found is that uh, the uber athletic uh, guys with with opportunity, those are the guys that you just generally need to target. There's there's less of a formula there than there is in, in, in method there as there is with like running backs and wide receivers. Um, but yeah, I, you know, a Mike Kosicki, uh, I like Hayden Hurst and the opportunity that's there as well uh, in Atlanta. I mean, Dirk Cutter has been so pass heavy as Atlanta's offensive coordinator every single year, even dating back to to when he was there in 2012 to 2014 or whatever it was uh, during every single year. He's ranked in the top four in neutral script pass to rush ratio. So they've just been incredibly pass heavy. It's going to happen again. Um, and so as a result, you just have natural volume there, especially without you know the, the lack of depth chart that they have at wide receiver. Hayden Hurst is going to probably be the third highest targeted player in that offense. And it's an offense that's going to throw the ball 600 plus times. It's just naturally you have to at least give Hayden Hurst somewhat of a look. If it doesn't pan out, you know, there's usually other options at the tight end position because of the supply and demand stuff. But uh, Hurst is another guy that I've got my eye on. I love Hurst. I love love the Atlanta offense last year. Got it. Atlanta offense, very fancy friendly. Look what Austin Hooper did there and and Hayden Hurst moving in there. It's just fantastic. Our last episode, go check that out. That just came out on Thursday. You guys listened to this Monday. Calvin Ridley, breakout Canada wide receiver. The volume's there. And you saw what he did both rookie and sophomore years. And I'm telling you, breakout season for Calvin Ridley. I mean, Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, Miles Sanders. These are coming like the three guys I'm just going to have patting in across all my rosters here. I love it. One guy I don't have a lot on my roster is James Conner. Love his story. I lo- love the guy. Great guy. He, he turned uh, He's turned birthday. His birthday was like a couple days ago. I saw Juju. He was doing some kind of workout with him on a story. But James Conner coming into this year, he could be one of the best values in all of drafts. He's currently going in the fourth round as running back 21. Drafted after a lot of the guys when people are probably going to start looking towards wide receiver. I mean, they did draft Anthony McFarland, though. Anthony McFarland coming out of Maryland, someone I really like, and that's a great situation because we know that James Conner has not been the perfect picture of health, always getting hurt, and per Matt Kelly, according to their injury predictor thing that they've been working on, James Conner has the highest chance to get injured out of any other running back, more than Todd Gurley, more than Melvin Gordon, so it's a little bit of a concern when you draft James Conner. So say you do draft James Conner. I probably wouldn't, I mean, depending on how far he falls. I think it's a must to get Anthony McFarland on your team. I mean, he's not a handcuff. He's like a handcuff plus. This guy, I mean, anything happens to James Conner, Anthony McFarland, I wouldn't be surprised to see a top 12 running back week. JJ, I, I think that you're pretty bullish on Anthony McFarland in year one from what I've been hearing. So shed some light on this Pittsburgh backfield, and what do you think about James Conner and Anthony McFarland? Yeah, this is a this is a tough subject for me. Uh, you know, I grew up in Pittsburgh, went to Pitt. You know, I'm a big James Conner guy, uh, just, just as a human, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it's tough because I, you know, I was never high on Connor as an NFL talent per se. I think that he's above average, but I don't think that he's necessarily spectacular 
um, in, in this game-changing running back. Um, it's just the fact that they haven't had that much competition for him, and obviously he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, and now they get Anthony McFarlane, who is someone that they don't have in that backfield in terms of talent. McFarlane, a speedy guy, which they haven't had speed in the backfield in a while. Benny Snell's not um, fast. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Snell. Yeah. So they, you know, they get they get a speedy guy in the backfield now, um, and and he's someone who can who should be able to catch passes. I do have some concern about what he can do in terms of being a true workhorse because he wasn't that in college. He was splitting the backfield uh, in, in college. Um, but I do think that he's a, a really good late-round dart throw, um, just considering he's he's not going to be on anyone's radar really in redraft. Um, even in Dynasty, his I mean, I got him in a Superflex Dynasty draft at, at the, in the late third round the other day. Um, and, and it's Lucky. it's just gotten to the point where, yeah, it's, he just kept falling and falling and falling. Oh, awesome. and, and it's gotten to the point where I, I think that um, he's just he's just severely severely undervalued, and I, I think at the very least what we're gonna see is James Conner. I think is a is a strong value right now because we've seen him have top five upside. We know the offensive line is strong. Uh, ben Roethlisberger coming back, they should be a top ten ish offense. Um, so obviously there's 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 a lot of, of uh, upside to, to James Conner, especially at this ADP. Um, but at the same time, I think that they're gonna use Anthony McFarland a little bit in that backfield to be the perfect change of pace sure. uh, for James yeah. Conner. And then on top of that, he has the pass catching upside too. Um, and man, I'm just, I'm, I'm very, very excited about, about his speed in that offense because they have not had that at all the last few years. Yeah. I mean, James Conner, 63rd percentile speed score. You have Anthony McFarlane, 85th percentile speed score. Definitely lightning and thunder you can possibly see here. Benny Snell's going to be staying on the bench because, I mean, between the tackles, Plotter, not a big fan. Jalen Samuels, you can move him around the formation, do whatever you want, but there are rumors that he may get cut from the roster. So if that happens, it's even more wheels up for Anthony McFarlane. Dad, James Conner, you like him this year? Uh, you know, he only played in 10 games last year. The, the Steelers' offense was terrible. I don't think he can he can go by that. Uh, you said Benny, Benny Snell and Samuels. They did show 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 promise when they were filling in for Connor, but they don't have near the athletic ability that McFarland comes in. I mean, McFarland is definitely a guy you got to keep an eye on, especially if Connor goes down. So I think if you're drafting Connor, you definitely got to draft McFarland as 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 the backup. Uh, so Big Ben is going to be 38, right? So if you're selecting Connor in the first few rounds, it's definitely a risk, but I think he could finish as a back end right wide re- uh, running back one. In 2020, Ooh, so that's bold. if if you if you take Connor, I think you got to make sure that you grab Farland yeah. later on. I think McFarland's one of the best late round running back dart throws. We've like seen JJ said, time. he can catch yeah. out of the backfield. I mean, so I I think it's a good asset for him. The other two guys, they're not even going to be in the in the picture. I don't think. Like one of them will be cut. Benny Snell might stay around, but I don't think he has the athletic athleticism as as a McFarland has. So no. I think it's a good opportunity for McFarland. That definitely is, and it's not a bad situation. JJ mentioned possibly top ten upside. I yeah. think it's definitely with ben, Big Ben back. It's a big upgrade from Duck Hodges and Mason. Oh, Rudolph. absolutely. I mean, yeah, the offense is definitely going to be uh, back to their old form with Big Ben at the helm. Yeah. An offense I'm also excited for is both Denver's offense and the Giants' offense this year. Daniel Jones going to his second year. Drew Locke going into <clears throat> his second year. You see what the Giants did, drafting Andrew Thomas, improving their offensive line. What did uh, John Elway do? He basically just said, you know what? We're going all in. We're going to draft Jerry Judy. We're going to draft Albert O. We're going to draft K.J. Hamler. All the weapons and bring in Melvin Gordon. I think you can – I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Drew Locke's the solution there. I'm not a big Drew Locke guy, but he's there this year. There's so much hype on him right now. Yeah, well, rightfully so. you got, you got Sutton, Judy, Hamler, oh, yeah. Noah oh, yeah. Fant. I mean, oof. He's got all the twos there for success.
success. Yeah. He has every everybody there. It's up to him whether he succeeds or not. Exactly. So Drew Locke or Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones currently going as QB 15. Drew Locke's going as QB 16. As the summer goes on, you're probably going to see those probably flip-flop because the Drew Locke hype train, that, that, that's leaving the station. It's going. It's it's leaving the station. So I, I personally prefer Daniel Jones. I'll give my reasons last. But had to get a QB question in there for you, for you, JJ. Lay around QB. We got we got to get the QB questions in there for you. So who do you prefer between Daniel Jones or Drew Locke? If you're in one quarterback leagues, fix that. Get Superflex going because there's no value for QB. You might as well just punt it to the moon and be okay with Teddy Bridgewater, Derek Carr, whoever later. But if you're taking a QB in this range, who do you prefer? And you're flexing the Giants, think that I mean that you're hoping. I'm you trying to get JJ. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get no, JJ I, to take Daniel Jones. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would have. I would have taken Daniel Jones regardless. Don't you worry. Uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> Answer. Only correct answer from Jigga Day. The bottom line, the bottom line with with quarterbacks is I want rushing production because we 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 want that that cheat code in fantasy football. Daniel Jones averaged about seven more yards per game on the ground than Drew Locke did this past year. Um, and again, you know, if we're talking redraft in particular, um, Drew Locke is going to be working with some inexperienced pass catchers. You know, we we can say there's a lot of talent there, and I agree. I mean, you have. Judy, who's my wide receiver, too, in this class. KJ Hamler, who I think is going to be a better real-life player than fantasy player who can stretch the field. Uh, obviously, no offense there. Albert O, they draft. But that's a lot of inexperience for this year one for this year one experiment, if you will, of Drew Locke being the starter from the start. Um, and Daniel Jones obviously has the draft capital behind him. Uh, you know, Evaluation-wise, he was the better quarterback in that class. Um, so I just think it makes a lot more sense to go with Daniel Jones, who – Honestly, Daniel Jones also flashed a lot of upside in fantasy football last year, especially given what he did with his legs. So that's the main reason I'm, I'm leaning Jones. I think Jones is one of the better late-round quarterback picks this year. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, in raw counting stats per Rotovis' screener app, Jones' rookie season is comparable to Matthew Stafford's, Matt Ryan, and Baker Mayfield, who I know you don't like that, but he did have a good rookie season. You can't deny that. He did have a good rookie season. Baker Mayfield, stop. Yeah. Well, Daniel Jones threw the fourth most passing touchdowns by a rookie in NFL history through 24, despite only getting 12 starts and 13 appearances. Imagine if you play all 16. I think there's definitely a case you can make of him having the most rookie touchdowns thrown by a quarterback. Per Curtis Patrick, a.k.a. Dynasty Commander, since 1970, only 12 different rookie quarterbacks have posted a single game line of 300-plus passing yards, 3-plus touchdowns, zero interceptions. Daniel Jones had three of those games last year in 2019. The 11 others only had one game. Also had over 3,000 yards playing only 12 starts. So I'm wheels up on Daniel Jones. I think he's going to be one of the best late-round values for QB, plus the rushing upside he gives. And I know you're already on the Daniel Jones thing. Anything else you want to add on Daniel Jones? Let me think about this for a minute. Daniel uh-huh. Jones or Drew Locke? Uh-huh. Take your time. Drew Locke has all the talent. Uh-huh. High expectations on him. Uh-huh. It's Daniel Jones all the way. <laughs> it's easy enough for you, Daniel Look, Jones. Look, he, he had highs and lows in his rookie season. Yeah. He flashed enough potential where he's going to improve in 2020, right? His rushing ability, like J.J. said, adds to his fantasy value. I mean, the only thing he struggled with was turnovers. He had yeah, that's a rookie two, mistake, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the offensive line was terrible. They upgraded the offensive line this year. He had no time to throw last year, just like Eli did the, the two years prior to that. So he had 12 interceptions. This stat is going to kill you. He led the league with 18 fumbles. Yeah, that's impressive. 18 fumbles. 11 of them. He used to Chris Carson of quarterbacks. <laughs> 11 of them were turnovers. I mean, that's that's not a good stat to have. No. But they beefed up their offensive line. I mean, if you're waiting on a quarterback, just like J.J. said, Daniel Jones is the guy to grab. Yeah, 100%. 
And then, if you want to grab Drew Locke later on after yeah. that for maybe a little upside, I mean, yeah. you, you can do that too. But if if you if I'm waiting on a quarterback like we just did in that dynasty draft. We did. So it's we got, redraft. We got Daniel Jones. I know, but I'm just saying, even in Dynasty, if you're waiting on a quarterback. Well, Dynasty, Daniel Jones has to be up near the top 12 because of his so age factor. he's definitely going to finish above his ADP. I got him going in the top 10 this year. Whoa, 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 whoa. Top 10? Give me the symbol. Give me the, the give me the air horn or something. You, you want the air <laughs> It's a bold prediction. I got him in the top 10 this year. Well, we're going to have some debates I'm a that. Giant fan, too, so I mean, yeah, you got to – Take that into consideration. People also forget Saquon wasn't healthy last year. Well, That's yeah. a great pass catching option out of the backfield. Sterling Shepard wasn't right. healthy last year. Golden Tate wasn't healthy last year. You got those guys coming back healthy. Evan Ingram. Darius Slayton's gonna yeah. be gonna be great this year. It's arguable like they have pretty good weapons too. So like I mean, yeah. I mean hey, Darius Slayton's second year emergence may the, happen. The, the biggest thing the Giants did was take care of the offensive line a little bit this year. They took care of that and a little bit on defense. So it's only gonna help Daniel Jones out. Big Daniel Jones guy. You, know, you weren't happy when I'm they picked him last fan. year. What, I mean, what do you want me? What, yeah. what can I tell you? I see you're a Giant fan. You had it all wrapped out. Yeah, I just got the Dolphins gear. I know JJ temporarily switched to a Dolphins fan during the draft show. I did. Yeah, yeah. still, still a Dolphins. Still fan a Dolphins after, fan. After, yeah, 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 I gotta be. I gotta be. Tua Tagovailoa. He's gonna be better than uh, Daniel Jones. You got all of Tua. Well, we're gonna talk about the draft another day. But a guy you love. I mean, every year you have a guy you love. Two years ago, and still deep in your heart, Jimmy Graham. I mean, I could write you know, sad, cue the sad music up. Yeah, Jimmy Graham let me down. Yeah, big Jimmy Graham guy. Last year was Matt Ryan, and he had Matt a, Ryan let me down last year. It's, even it's, though they had a every uh, other year, uh, Matt Ryan. Uh, this pass. is the year for Matt Ryan. It's gonna happen with the Matt Ryan every other year bounce back. But th- this year, who, who's your guy, Dad? I love Austin Eckler. Oh, oh boy. I mean. Why, why do you love Austin Eckler? So the, the question I have is he has a running back 10 price tag in drafts currently going at the 201. I don't care. You don't care. He's a I'm great player. Yeah, I don't care. You, you're just taking him? Look what he did when Gordon was holding out. Yeah. Just He just gave you a little just sample size of what he can do. Uh-huh. Rushing a ball. Oh. Out of the backfield. Catching a ball. Okay, you don't have uh, Rivers there. Yeah, that's a big thing. No, no, that, no that check down Rivers. Thing, check down Rivers is going to be missed. I mean, now he's the lead back in the offense. You got a new quarterback, Tyrod Taylor. Okay, it's not Rivers, but we got to give the guy a chance. I mean, the only thing that's stopping Eckler from being scoring more fantasy points than he did, I think, is Justin Jackson. A big part of his. Whoa, Joshua Kelly! Whoa, nah. whoa, whoa! It's, it's Joshua Kelly over Justin Jackson. No. Trust me, I love the name uh, Justin. I, it's a great no. name, but Joshua Kelly uh, is gonna get more touches than Justin Jackson. I don't think I'll so. put a bet on this on the show right now. I'll tell you more fantasy. Let's do points. it. You want to put it Joshua it. Kelly? Justin. Put it on the table. Put the bet down. <laughs> We're gonna bet it. There oh, it is. Okay. I'm gonna write it down because you're gonna eat them. You're gonna uh, eat that. You tell him just. All right. Listen. So a bit. Uh, no. Listen. A big part. Of Eckler's fantasy production is going to be dependent on Tyrod Taylor's production as a passer and his ability to move the chains. He's not Phillip Rivers, but I think he's going to be okay. No matter who's back there, he's going to catch balls out of the backfield, which is a huge plus for me. I love Austin Eckler this year. I, oh, dude, I feel bad for you. I mean, I oh, like Austin Eckler. How can you feel bad for me? I like Austin Eckler too, but back-to-back years, super efficient. If you tend to lean towards the efficiency guys, you're going to hopefully, I mean, most of the time, come back down to earth. You know, talk about positive regression. He's all not time. coming he's back. Gonna to have, earth. He's gonna have. There's no. He's gonna stay up he's above not. the mean. He's not. <sighs> Kelly's the guy, there. No. Joshua Kelly's gonna take about 30 percent of touches, 30 to 35 percent no. touches year one. That's gonna ruin it. Last season, Austin Eckler was 27th among all running backs in red zone touches. 
but he was eighth in total touchdowns. He had a lot of long touchdowns, and granted, a very well, remember, talented he player. Didn't, he didn't play a he lot. He posted either. on his Instagram. He's looking, he's looking jacked. I mean, I hope so. He's an NFL player. He's got, he's got a hot girlfriend. I'm, I'm all for Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler does. He, he doesn't look as jacked as DK Metcalf. Well, that's that's just <laughs> that's not everyone's trying to do. 108 targets last year with Philip Rivers. Likely to regress. They've been a pass-heavy team the past couple of years because of Philip Rivers. Now, you can see him with Tyrod Taylor, Justin Herbert at the helm, going less pass-heavy. He was 25th in juke rate, which is a beta tackles per touch. 48th among our running backs in stacked front carries. So seven plus guys in the box. Now, what if they? I mean, no one was in there. So Listen. now, they, what if they stack the box this year and say, Tyrod Taylor, try to throw on us. Justin Herbert, try to throw on us. We're going to stack the box, which is something Austin Eckler is not even used to. I don't care. <laughs> if you're off on Eckler, there's something wrong with you. They, they can stack the box more and say, Throw. I don't care. All right, JJ, help me shed some light. Tell this dude that Austin Eckler is going to come back <laughs> down to earth. <laughs> I, uh, I'm i I'm probably lower than most on Austin Eckler this year. Uh, give him, I, give him the give him the boo symbol or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I disagree though I, I mean that was for me he did that for me <laughs> so so here here's my thing with Eckler um I love him as a player uh I think he's 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 the type of running back I fall for um in terms of just liking the talent and liking the fit in the NFL and today's NFL especially so I understand why they would pay him as opposed to paying a guy like Melvin Gordon um but with with Austin Eckler there's a lot working against him this season as opposed to last year um, and I think that the fantasy community as a whole hasn't necessarily like put it all together and necessarily thought that through so much. Uh, and what I mean by that, here are some of the things. So basically, he's um, saying I didn't, I didn't think it through. Is what he's <laughs> That's what he's saying. No, no. no look, I, I, I get, I get the argument for Eckler, and I think that it's super valid. Uh, the, the thing that I am worried about with Eckler is. Rivers, number one, uh, in six of his last nine years, Philip Rivers' last nine seasons, the Chargers have ranked in the top six in running back target share six different times, uh, or six of the nine seasons. Um, and then they've ranked the top three five times. So they're consistently targeting the running back position. Now, some of that has to do with personnel. Personnel dictates a lot of those types of metrics. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot to, to Rivers doing that, too. And we've already seen Frank Reich talk about that in Indianapolis with Philip Rivers targeting guys like Naheem Hines in that offense. Um, so I think there's there's going to be a little bit of a setback in terms of target share to the running back position in that offense. But then on top of that, they should be a more run-heavy team with whoever they throw under center there. Um, the, the Chargers over the last three years, two of the last three years, they've been top five in neutral script pass-to-run ratio. The one year they weren't in, uh, a pass-heavy team over the last three years is when they won all those games and they were actually good. They were 18th in the league. Um, and I don't think they're going to be that good uh, of a football team necessarily, given their quarterback situation. Uh, there's touchdown regression coming for, for Austin Eckler, especially through the air. Um, but the one thing that I think isn't talked about enough with Eckler, there's Josh Kelly, too, who's a, you know, a downhill, bigger bodied guy who could steal goal line work. But the one thing that I don't think people talk about enough is his yards per target rate that he had last season. It was over nine yards. Uh, it was a, a number that is not repeatable at all and in any way, shape or form. Uh, among 50 target plus running backs last year, uh, 50 plus target running backs last year, uh, Austin Eckler had over a yard better than the number two guy, which was Dalvin Cook in yards per target. Um, and it's just not something that that generally remains the same year over year. Guys with that high of a yards per target rate generally regress by almost two full yards uh, the following season. So I'm just worried for a lot of those reasons with Eckler. I think that he's more of a high floor pick. Uh, I think that he can return investment 
fairly easily just because of his involvement in the offense. And he should see a career high in rush attempts this year, I think. Um, but the problem is if I'm drafting in the first two rounds, I'm shooting for more upside. I, I, I want a guy in a good offense who has a real chance to be a workhorse. And I don't know if that's going to happen with Austin Eckler. That's fair enough. Austin Eckler, he's going to die, dude. He's going to fall down to Ross. You're going to draft him in the second round. You're going to you hear the Kill Bill siren going on right now. You're just going to draft him, and Ross is going to go right to the... I don't even hear what you're saying. It doesn't matter. You don't got to hear what I'm what saying. That's your roster. Ah. You got that from in the second round. Going right down the drain. Did I'm you just give me the toilet flush? I did give you the toilet flush. You, oh. you and your Austin Eckler. You just, just gave me the toilet flush, dude. <laughs> it's, it's not, It's not. you know, Austin Eckler, I mean, we're going to differ on this one. We'll make a lot that's of Austin okay. Eckler bets here. That's okay. That's why you don't have to, we don't have to agree on everything. That'd that's why I'm glad you're in my leagues. That would be a boring show. I'm glad you're in my leagues, yeah. in my home leagues, because then I have to know that you're going to take these crappy players. Then leave players. them for me. Oh, you're going to leave them leave for them you. Leave them for me. And you're going you're gonna to help me win a championship. Leave your picks, I'm going to pick right behind you. I'm going to be confident you're going to mess it up. That would be even better. Yeah, it would be even better. But before we get JJ out of here, before we just keep arguing for the next six <laughs> minutes or whatever, I need a, I need a, a bold prediction uh, slash who's going to be a league winner this year. What, what do you got for us? Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned that I have a Miles Sanders take for the end of the show oh, here. Yeah. I think Miles Sanders is this year's Dalvin Cook. So I think he's going to be, I think that he's going to finish, the bold prediction wise, I think he'll finish as a top three running back this Whoa, season. Oh, top three. Top three. That, that, that is my, my, my soundboard's going off, but there'll be a big boom there. And you <laughs> love that because you're a big, big top three. Miles Sanders. Wow. Miles top Sanders three. top three. That just makes you smile, doesn't that it? Miles Look at Sanders you. top three. Look at a smile on I, your face. I got to go acquire more Miles Sanders in Dynasty. I have him in nine <laughs> out of 12 leagues. I'm going to get him in 12 out of 12 now after this one. That's that's what I like to hear. Wow, top three. Thank you, JJ, for coming on. If people don't know, where can they find you on Twitter and what do you do in this fantasy industry in case they're living underneath the rock? <laughs> uh, I'm on I'm on Twitter at late round QB. Uh, all my work, my write, writing work is over on numberfire.com and then I have my podcast, the late round podcast. It's kind of become my my baby in the fantasy football world. Of course. <laughs> there you it is. A, you got a new toy now, don't you? <laughs> That's your new toy. Thank you. Come on, that's gonna do it for us today. Yeah, thank you, JJ, so much. Appreciate it. Yeah. So follow yeah, thanks, JJ on Twitter guys. and we'll see you guys next time.